I had a great dad. He adopted me when I was four. He never missed a violin concert. He never missed a hockey game. Never missed a graduation. He paid for everything, college. He footed some bills when I was an angry young man using drugs. Um, he was right there without hesitation when I announced that I was an addict and that I was moving towards sobriety. Um, I, had a, I had a great dad. I didn't have a father. And the difference is, is that the, the, the biological father was absent. Um, and the, the results of that spoke volumes in my life and still do today. It was a few months ago that I, I saw that dragon had torched my village yet again. And it actually began to interfere with an adult relationship with another a guy, a seminar leader who I'm very fond of and uh, was uh, contracted to work for. So that's a father wound. The father wound doesn't go away. It doesn't heal. It's a hole you're not supposed to fill. Um, and, and as you really start to do your work as a man, um, you recognize that the scar of that father wound is a massive part of your identity. And it's a major part of how you parent your own children. I became my father in my late 20s, not my dad. And it was a very conscious decision to stop acting like my father, being absent, being an addict, and act like my dad, being present, being supportive, being uh, a, a good dad. But that was a long process, and it has been a consistent process. Um, I'm happy to say I'm a lot like my dad now. Be the dad you wish you had. That's the title of the book that Ryan Roy has written. Uh, I've known Ryan Roy for a few years now. Um, just got reconnected, thanks to Facebook. The same week that I have decided that I'm switching to Gillette products. Now, let me be very clear. Gillette is not a sponsor of this show. I'm not making a dime off of what I'm about to say. I would like to, and I'm gonna call Gillette later. They have put out a commercial about toxic masculinity that you need to watch. Remember the best a man can get? They've, they have reframed that statement and the commercial is brilliant. And I am ditching all my shave products to support Gillette for what they have said about being a dad about being a father, about being a man for children in this society. So on the heels of that, I got an amazing guest talking about fatherhood, talking about men, talking about daddyhood, and talking about going through the harsh lessons of not having a father. My guest today is Ryan Roy, the author of Be the Dad You Wish You Had, and he is also the the podcaster i don't know jack about parenting welcome to beyond risk and back honestly i was just working my way up to death i thought about killing myself every day i was using all the time and i that's not a sustainable lifestyle my brother shot himself because of drugs when you are using technology to lure children for sexual purposes there's a couple of problems that concern me but i remember feeling kind of relieved after hurting myself do you have any idea how much you were worth? I like to say it this way. Great people are really built in the furnace of affliction. Our teens are navigating a world of information anarchy and increased stress and pressure. Drugs are glorified more than ever before, and there seems to be a suicide option that didn't exist prior. As adults, we are responsible to provide the help at-risk teens need. Have teens changed, or is it just the world they live in that's different? Is this why so many teens are traumatized or triggered? My name is Aaron Huey and in 2009, I opened a home for these teens with the hopes of giving them a second chance at creating the life we all know they deserve. Now I wanna give parents the information that contributed to our success and to support them in navigating the at-risk world. These are the stories told by the teens and the techniques used by experts to help them. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back.
All right, Brian. It's been a long time, and I'm really glad to be reconnected with you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, Aaron. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, like you said, thanks to to Facebook. We have reconnected, and I was so excited to get your message the other day uh, when you saw that my book, Be the Dad You Wish You Had, went bestseller on Amazon. Uh, and, and then you said, would you be interested in getting on and talking about fatherhood and being the dad that uh, I wish I had? And, and I, I said, <laughs> in a heartbeat. And, and we set this up in just a few short days. So thank you for having me on the podcast. And I can't wait to get into the material and have a great discussion. That's great. So I, let's, let's give a shout out to the men who are listening to this show because I, uh, we talked about this off the air. Um, primarily, uh, uh, women listen to this show. And there's not a lot of men who do, but the ones who are there, the fathers who are listening to the show, the daddies who are out there. Thanks for being on the show. I know from working with children in kids camps and in at-risk teen programs and teen rites of passage camps and running a residential treatment center, 90% of the time it's the mom calling. And we got to address that. We got we got to call that out. So I'm going to say, dad, uh, um, uh, guy teacher, if you're listening, thank you. Thanks for being one of those guys who continually educates yourself so that you can be your best for your kids, your students, your clients. Thank you for being here. And um, Ryan, let's let's start with you talking about why did you write a book called "Be the Dad You Wish You Had"? What what's what's your story? So a little bit of my story, as I think most of us have uh, back in childhood, one of my earliest memories, uh, my parents were divorced, right? Uh, I spent uh, the middle of my week at dad's and I spent the weekends at mom's. And it was, I was four, almost five years old as uh, my birthday's in January, uh, but it was the week before Christmas. And I started sharing with mom while we were uh, laying in bed. I said, mom, you know, I can't, can't wait for Santa. These are the toys I want Santa to bring to this house. And these are the toys that I want Santa to bring to, to dad's house. And my mom uh, changed her, her energy. She says, I have something to talk to you about. And I don't know the details. I was four, uh, but I do remember the feeling. She says, you will no longer be going to dad's house. Uh, you won't be seeing your father anymore. And you know, for a little kid to hear that, I, I think what she did to comfort me in that moment was to say, but, but rest assured, Santa's going to bring all your toys here. In uh, that moment obviously changed my life because I didn't see my dad moving forward from that point. My father, the person that I had raised me to almost five years old, I was no longer in my life. Uh, I describe it today as I was abandoned by my father at five. Because of that, for a very long time, um, you know, growing up, I, I, normal kid, I don't think I ever miss. You don't really recognize what you miss if you don't have it, right? So uh, normal childhood, if you would. Uh, I always found a good group of guys. I was very social. Uh, adolescents played sports, right? So blended in with that, blended in with uh, some of the some of the uh, kids in the advanced classes, I got pretty decent grades. Got into high school, hung around with some of some some upstanding guys, but I don't know. You know, maybe they had some challenges themselves. I found myself in a group of guys who didn't have dads themselves, and we formed this brotherhood. Um, I quickly found out that that brotherhood could be toxic. They were making some decisions that I wasn't necessarily agreeing with. I saw some of the things I saw in my older sim leagues with got into some drug use and some things. And I, I don't know what it was about me, but I removed myself early in high school, embedded my, myself in sports uh, and removed myself from these guys. Some people don't recognize, I'm going to share a statistic with your audience here is uh, fatherless kids have a, a, a 10 times more likely chance of drug abuse. Fatherless kids also have a 20 times more likely chance of being incarcerated. I didn't fall into either one of those categories. Uh, somehow I was protected. Somehow I removed myself from that. Long story short, I had a lot of toxic relationships uh, 
through adulthood, I didn't ever want to get married, uh, primarily because I thought if I were to get married, I'd have to become a father myself. And that is the one thing I wasn't going to do was get into a toxic relationship, have a child, and potentially recreate the cycle by being a bad dad, an absent father, someone who just didn't know. My biggest fear was to become a father and not do it well. So I was perfectly content without having children. At age 35, Aaron, I met this amazing woman who knocked my socks off. Uh, it was like hitting the lottery. When we started having those serious conversations about spending a lifetime together, she said, uh, what, what is your take on having children? So, you know, and, and I'm no dummy at this point, I'm 35. So I asked the question back, well, what's your take? Because <laughs> I know I don't want to have children. And she says to me, um, I just want you to know that the doctors told me that I only had a, a 5% chance of, of having children. I told you I, I won the lottery. Man, at that point, I felt like I didn't even have to pay taxes on the lottery because this woman couldn't have children. I wouldn't have to face my biggest fear. So we got married. Six weeks into that marriage, she's pregnant. <laughs> I'm about to face my biggest fear. And I'll tell you what, I wasn't scared. I, there was a piece that I was with the right woman, the right woman to, I'd lived enough life, I'd made enough mistakes, maybe I could empower somebody. But I recognized that there was absolutely no way that I knew what the heck I was doing. So I dove deep. I started reading books. I read podcasts, asked friends on Facebook. Uh, I asked the doctors. I went to all those courses. You know, what, what does a dad have to go to a breastfeeding course for? But I will tell you without telling the details, it was the number one course that I learned the most about my wife and what she would go through uh, when she was about to breastfeed. And she, our, our child never latched and I was able to emotionally support her. Long story short, why did I write Be the Dad You Wish You Had? Because I dug deep and I researched so much because I didn't want to be a failure in this area that I have two amazing boys right now. And everywhere I go, people kept asking me, why are your kids so well behaved? Why are your kids so great? What is it that you do? And, and the short answer is I pour into them. The long answer is uh, I wrote a book that has you know, 40 small, simple, powerful lessons that if you implement them consistently, not every single one of them every single day, but if you were to implement the things in this book, you will impact your child in a positive way. Therefore, they will respect you. And, and I think all of us, ultimately, I know my mission is to have the respect of my adult children. And that starts in day one. You and I have also talked about um, you're involved in a program at your kid's school called FBI, Fathers Being Involved. And you turned me on to another uh, uh, dad-centric program for uh, a school um, that I've, I've signed up for their newsletters. I've signed up for their trainings, uh, their training manuals to look at, look at what they're uh, asking for. Um, and my kids are grown. My, both my kids are in college and both about ready to, to leave college. Um, so how do, how do we start this? How do we start this conversation with, let's just say for a second, how do we start this conversations with moms to talk to their husbands about pouring into the kids? Because that's a, it's an easy one for men to get defensive over. When, when a, a, a wife, a girlfriend, a, um, a, our second wife starts to say, here's what I think you should do differently with your kid. Um, that's, a, that's a shields up moment for, for men. Because we're, we're truly fragile emotional beings who, at least your generation and my generation, that was still something that we weren't. Uh, taught was 100% okay. My family, it was. Sounds like your willingness to to dive. Sounds like you were supported in that as well. But we still know men who aren't ready to take criticism, uh, harsh feedback, and maybe look at what they're doing with kids. And here's some feedback from a woman's perspective of what we could do differently. So talking to the women, female listeners right now, 
how do we suggest that they suggest? So it's funny you asked that just yesterday. I was brainstorming some of this myself. Uh, and I, I came up with the word ego. You, you sit there and mentioned self-esteem or self-importance for a man, right? And, and to define the word ego, it says a person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance. And, and men, we have egos. I heard something about a year ago, and this is why I came up with the word yesterday. A, 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 a man, and, and it, was, it was in a couple's retreat that I was at with my wife, and, and an old timer said to the audience, he says, ladies, don't be surprised at how fragile your husband's ego is when it comes to you. Aaron, you could tell me anything. Uh, someone off the street could say anything to me, and I could deflect it. I could care less what they say. But when a woman, the woman that you've chosen to spend your lifetime with and procreate with, our ego is fragile and sensitive. And in today's society, I, I find, even in my own marriage at times, uh, sometimes that gets stripped. I would encourage the ladies to empower the men for the things that they're doing right, to empower them by thanking them, showing acknowledgement, right? I'm not saying baby them, but I think in today's society, there's a lot of asking for, or, hey, can you, are, are we building this? Where are we going on vacation? Where are we doing this? Uh, we just redesigned my home. I, I'm not joking. Last, last, and this is an example of my own home. And my, and my, we just got a new kitchen and new flooring. And my wife didn't even, we walked in and she goes, now we got to get the, the French doors and the sliding glass doors in the back. And I'm like, can I get a thank you? <laughs> you know, so, so what, I, what I'm saying to the ladies is stroke our egos a little bit. Don't diminish it. And I imagine if we're being acknowledged for the things we're doing, we'll start doing some more of the things in the home. And some of that being, being a very present dad, especially if we're acknowledged when we're doing it. it it's, a, it's, a, it's a testimony to the simplistic nature of the masculine brain, is that if you pat our fannies while we are doing the dishes, we will do more dishes. That, that layer of feedback does not have to be nuanced as the feminine brain um, tends to need from each other, uh, the gray area of reading into the words that are said, not knowing whether what you just said was a compliment or a, a dig against uh, uh, something, you know, hey, you look really good in that dress. You didn't say anything about my hair. Wait, what? We were talking about your dress. Um, but that but the men have a simplistic nature to us that tends to drive women crazy. But the truth is that that's part of our divine side is, is that simplistic nature, that, that that pat on the head, cookie, however your, your husband, your co-parent responds to the cookie moments. You see him doing something really amazing with the kid and you give him a cookie. Yeah, I know. You know what? Sometimes that feels to women like they've got another kid that they got to hand out cookies to. And that's got to be unbelievably frustrating to them. Probably in the same way that men have to navigate a really complex emotional environment for women. And that, that it's expected. And even if we weren't taught it, that is no longer an excuse that is being tolerated by women. So men are having to ante up on what they're willing to experience when the women is having um, the, the extreme complex emotional experience uh, where we can compartmentalize it and they cannot. They can universalize it. Um, men have to swing with that. And there, that... that the proverbial cookie moment needs to happen. So I'm in agreement there. So let's talk about, let's, let's talk about some of these 40 things we're talking about being a dad and let's, let's get to them by saying, let's talk about some of the things that is the, as, as women hear this, maybe they'll be surprised. Maybe they won't. And as men hearing this, they won't be surprised at all about the things that dads do wrong. What are, what are, what are some of the things that we just, screw up with. And I, I'll speak to one. Um, sometimes I spoke to my daughter without acknowledging the complexity of her brain. And I spoke to her like I would speak to a guy. 
we were hiking up a hill and she was exhausted saying her legs hurt and she was really worried about um you know her legs and her full body experience and i said um you're not sick you're out of shape and i watched my daughter collapse in on herself and i knew in that moment that i had screwed up so badly that there was nothing I could say to take that back. And that manifested into, into some pretty shitty stuff in my daughter. But I know, Ryan, I could say that to you and you might slug me in the arm, but we'd still be hanging out afterwards. Mm -hmm. That was a major split with my daughter emotionally. Um, I can think of a handful of others too. I'm not very happy about that one, but that's the one that I think back and I go, God, if I could have that moment over again. So aside from that what are some things that we screw up on as as dads i think as dads um you know i have a similar example yours happened it sounds like years ago on a hike uh i have an example that just happened last week um where uh, i think we're not emotionally in touch right where dads are go 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 we we need to get things done in our household we have a morning routine we have an evening routine and uh, the morning routine got thrown a wrench last week because mom uh, had a stomach virus and she was pretty much in the bathroom uh, and not going to work and i had to take over the two kids in the morning so you know something simple i, I needed to run over the spelling words one last time with my seven-year-old and he's given me a little pushback uh my son is fantastic. He's amazing in so many ways, right? So I give him a lot of leeway, right? We, we do spelling words in the morning because he can grasp it. And, and he also gets rewarded for doing a lot of stuff he does. So I have to, you know, I'm frustrated. I'm trying to get the baby going. I'm trying to get him going. I say to him, his name is Christian. I say, Christian, daddy needs five minutes of your time and you're giving me pushback because he sucked his teeth. I said, what pushback do I need to give you? You know, this is totally bad parenting. I wrote the book on parenting, but this is totally bad parenting. I will say this up front <laughs> because I'm frustrated. I'm emotional, right? But we need to recognize their emotions also. And I would say that most dads don't. So in the moment, uh, I, I say, what do I have to do? Do I have to take away your video games? Do I have to take away the things that I empower you with because you are such a good kid? What do I have to do? Because right now I don't want the pushback. I just want to get through your spelling words. And uh, he knows I'm serious, I'm frustrated. So I start reading the spelling words and his eyes are welled up and he's pushing through. What's, how do you spell harp? H-A-R-P. Yeah, okay, how do you spell bend? B-E-N-D. I pause, I recognize what I've done. My kid is torn up. My mind, right? I could assume what this is he's going through. And I said, come to me. Dad, I spelled it right. I know you spelled it right. Fantastic job, Christian. I know you're going to do great on the spelling test. We've gone over it. Those are the two words you had challenges with. Come talk to daddy, man to man, face to face, eye to eye. I didn't say those words, but I gestured them over that way. I said, what are you feeling right now? He says, Dad, when you talk to me like that, I feel like a failure. Crushes me as a father, right? I don't want my kid ever to feel like a failure, and especially I don't want him to feel like a failure because of the words that I said to him. I looked him in the eyes. I said, look me in the face, young man. You are the opposite of a failure. You are a powerful young man. You are smart. You're intelligent. You are hardworking. And maybe sometimes dad has big expectations for you and you're only seven because you are all those things, but you are definitely not a failure. Have I ever called you a failure? No, sir. And I never want to make you feel like a failure, young man, but I don't want to disregard your feelings in this moment. I said some things that made you feel this way. And if I ever do that again, I want you to share it with me just like you did now. Daddy's going to do better. I love you. Are we good? And I think dads are disconnected from their own emotions and therefore they can't get in tune with their children's emotions. One of the things I hear that you, you did eloquently with your son in, in simple terms and straightforward talk is apologize. And there seems to be this, 
this thing around men apologizing to uh, apologizing, you know, and, and I call it the correct and continue. Like you just, if you do it wrong, speak up, man. I had, a, I had an experience with my, my stepson, who I call my son, and people know that, you know, as he, he, from the age of seven to the age of 17, he would spray paint in the garage. It just drove me insane, man. And through the years, the, the conversations got more intense and then they left conversation and went into conflict. And then there's a, there a time when it went into violent communication. Uh, no, nobody was hit. That's not what I mean. I mean, really angry, violent words were said. And I'm screaming because this time he, had, he was spray painting his car in the uh, part of his car in the garage and he spray painted my skis brand new all-terrain skis and I had had it and all these years and blah, blah, and I'm just hollering, hollering. And uh, I scream at him, I'm going to go treat your shit the same way you treat mine. Don't touch my stuff. Oh, so people's personal belongings are important to you. Well, we'll see how important. I'm stomping out in the garage and my wife is looking at me like, hey, Mr. Parent Coach, good job there. Like, you're, just, you're doing great. And, you know, so I get out to the garage. I start cleaning and slamming things around. I'm not hurting his stuff. I'm just putting tools away because cleaning is my coping mechanism. When I get upset, I clean. And he goes stomping up to his room. And my wife's like, yeah, nice job. That was, that was a great way to handle it. And uh, I'm out there thinking. And like you, that, that, that conscious moment, where I'm realizing that, you know, my kiddo and his dad had had some rough years in his teen years and yelling started yelling sometimes would end up with get out of my house. And, uh, my mom, uh, uh, my, my family was a yelling family. You know, we, we yelled everything at each other and it was very rarely personal or out of anger, but it was loud. Uh, and, like you, the last thing I'd ever want my son to think is that I wouldn't want to be around him. That, that, that even when we're angry, we can still talk. We can still get through this thing. And taking that moment to go back and saying, yeah, I blew it. I, I totally screwed that up. There are a thousand ways that I could have done that. And I chose the worst one. And I'm sorry. Um, I'm angry, but my feelings are not your responsibility. I'm, I'm, upset but i'll handle that and i should not have let that anger come at you because i love you i'll do better because and when you're doing that with your child that's what your child learns what to do but if we if we dig in we double down we 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 stubborn up that's what they're going to learn how to do and man does that cause problems when they're a teenager and they start doing it with you because that daddy voice is effective when they're young but when they hit a teenager they got a voice of their own. And I see those when, when daddy voice doesn't work. So daddy voice gets super loud and aggressive and teen voice goes to places that you didn't think your kid knew about. It's violent communication. It's, it's, it's beyond conflict. Conflict, there's still a relationship. Violent communication, relationship has ended. Now it's just yeah. fine. What else? What else do we do wrong? <laughs> You know, so as, so as you say that, you know, one of the things that comes to my mind and, you know, my book and, and it, it, you know, I'm a dad of a seven-year-old. I started putting this thing together when my son was five. So, you know, this is geared towards building that foundation, right? And I, I, you know, and I'm not saying that, you know, past five years or seven or 10 years that we can't, you know, rebuild something, but this is foundational. This is geared towards, you know, creating that foundation, but you as a parent, moms, dads, whomever, and this isn't just geared towards dads, all the tools in this book are things that uh, anybody can implement. I just gear it towards dads because that's, I'm a dad myself and this is how I want to parent. Uh, this is an accumulation of things. W what do we do wrong? We do everything wrong. That's why I created, you know, uh, I don't know jack about parenting. You know, as you're sitting there saying, when they get to the teenage years, I'm like, Aaron, I'm going to have to be talking to you in the teenage years because I don't know jack about the teenage years. All I know is my own experience of what I was. And, and, and for lack of a better term, and, and, and I don't know your audience, but I was an asshole. You know, I was a rebellious kid, and I imagine every teenager is. 
but I was nothing compared to a lot of people that I see. And I was that. So, so what do we do wrong? I don't know, Jack, about parenting. That, that title came up, and I'm going to tell you why it came up. Because my, son, your, my seven-year-old had an episode not too long ago, right after I released the book. And I'm like, man, I thought I had this parenting thing figured out, and he just threw me another curveball. You know what? I just realized I know nothing about this because as soon as I figure it out, they change and grow. So I, I you know, to, to pinpoint what we do wrong, um, here, here's one thing I think everybody needs to understand, the, the dads, but this is going to go back to the moms because this is our audience, right? It's the moms. You know, dads, men, fathers, you know, first you should be a husband or a partner being politically correct in today's society, then be a father. Because if you can't honor their mother, if you teach them that you're not honoring their mother through your actions, they're going to reciproc reciprocate that through their actions. But, but in addition to that, that goes back to the ego moms. Stroke their egos. And it's going to be a marrying of you stroking his ego and him wanting to bring you home flowers. You stroking his ego and he's going to want to spend more time with the kids. You stroking his ego in this. And it, and it, it sounds, it's so simplistic. And I know the ladies are out there like, I've stroked his ego once. Do it over and over and over so that he wants to come home to you. That he wants to come home to the kids instead of spending an ungodly amount of hours at the office or outside of the home. Because he doesn't want to come home to, and I hate using this term. But it's a term, I was watching Family Feud the other day. They said, uh, we surveyed 100 men. And, and what is the one thing you wish your wife would stop doing? And I blurted out right in front of my wife, complaining. And the number one answer, uh, 71 out of 100 men said, nagging or complaining. So if that's what we hear when we come home, and it's not the stroking of the ego, what is our motivation? Because society tells us that we got to work hard and be at work. So society's telling us that that's what we're supposed to do. And when we come home, we're being nagged. So I would say honor your wife and wives, honor your husband. The difference between complicated and complex is that complexity doesn't have an ending. It's an infinite experience. It's an infinite process because resolving complexity creates new complexities. Whereas resolving complications brings result brings ending brings finality and that's a prime difference in how the 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 man brain and the woman brain works and that has to do with us being able to compartmentalize things that we can have a beginning middle and end and we can create the ending that that this will come to an end and i understand and, and i'm moved to it you know when you say you know complaining and nagging and stuff like that that <clears throat> The idea that men can do better has been waited for, waited upon. Like, like men can do better. We're, we're actually extremely intelligent creatures in our simplicity. We're actually, uh, our physical bodies can, can build things and, and accomplish things. We can fix things. We fix the whole point of our existence is to lend a service, to fix things. And there's some very glaring things that we broke that we have not fixed. And I think women are sick and tired of it. And they have no outlet to express the level of frustration. I remember I was doing a podcast with my daughter um, where you know, you, you hear yet again, guys are saying, I wasn't taught how to connect. I wasn't taught how to communicate. I wasn't taught how to be emotionally vulnerable. And, you know, it, it is the day and age where we need to be, to really be able to show up to what's going on in this world. And my daughter literally said, that's not an excuse anymore. And that's a, that's a big thing. And that's, that's why I think that the power of your book, the power of my podcast, the power of your podcast is that we're, we're offering an opportunity to get educated so that we can do better. Men like doing better. It's part of our competitive nature. It's part of our ability to fix things. 
And it would feel really good, in my opinion, is for men to get out there and fix some of the things we broke. How women have to trade freedom for safety. How children are being raised without fathers. This is something that men need to fix. This is something that men need to fix. Boys being shown how to be good men, it has to come from men. Men need to do that. Women can show boys what a good woman is. She can, she can tell a boy what it means to be a good man, but a boy is going to learn how to be a good man from an example that a good man sets. That's why your work is so important, Ryan, is because that's, that's why, that's why this, this 1,000 fathers thing that you and I were talking about, is that every kid deserves this, that every kid needs 1,000 fathers because good fathers raise good kids. Good mothers have been raising kids without fathers. Without, good mothers have been raising good kids with bad fathers hanging on to the family. There's a missing link. And that's, that's I really what I think we're talking about. And you and I talked about, you know, men feel castrated in this society. And yes, I agree. And then you and I both went into write in because men allow themselves to be castrated. It's one thing to be mad at the people running around with scissors. It's another thing for you to, to stick it out there so someone else can cut it off. And that's on you, man. That's on you. And I think that's a big part of what we're dealing with. And I, and I, what are, what are your concerns as a father with two sons? What are you looking at here? You're attentive. You're, you're connected. You're present. You're hardworking. What are you worried about? Wow. That's, that's a deep question. And my gut tells me I'm really not worried. Um, and, and I hate to say it that way because it goes back to first day of school right before school we had an open house at the school right and the pta signups and all these things and and one of the other parents from the classroom right because i'm so involved you know, one of the other parents that recognized me from last year's class she goes did you did you meet the teachers yet i said oh that's i let my wife take care of that and she goes uh what does she think i said you know it really doesn't matter to me she says you don't care who teaches i said i have no control over who teaches my children other than myself and I'm going to take care of what I need to do at home. And if they don't take care of what needs to get taken care of at school, trust me, I'm going to take care of it at home. So it's really unimportant to me who is educating my child in second grade right now, because I know it's going to be handled at home. And if there is a big enough challenge, trust me, that will be handled at the school level by me also. So I'm going to trust that they hire the right people. But right now, today, I know that I'm taking care of my stuff at home. And that may sound cocky, arrogant, like, I don't know, but I have such a belief in what I am teaching my children at home and how I'm teaching him to communicate, and how I'm allowing him to have his emotions and, and, and permission to do that. Uh, and the outside forces, as, as things come home and he says, dad, somebody's bullying somebody. And I said, did you stick up for them? And he says, no, I said, you're stronger than that person. Go stick up because you're stronger than both the bullier and, and the ones being bullied. So go and stick up for that kid and the bully will respect you and the other kid will earn a friend that he needs right now. And he comes back and he does those things. So I, I, I don't know. There's so many challenges in today's society, Aaron, um, that I should be worried about all of them, but I can't control any of them. I can only control me and how he, how I respond to how things are going down and how he learns to respond to these things that are going down outside of my home and outside of my control. You and I, um, we're from different parts of the country. You know, I do a lot of my work in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, you're in Georgia. Um, we come from uh, politically and energetically uh, pretty different places, liberal, conservative. But I've, I'm seeing the places where we meet in the middle. And it has to do with the ownership of the self first. And I remember being asked, uh, my wife was out of town visiting her family, and one of her friends called and picked up the phone. And is, is your wife there? No, she's out of town. I said, oh, you playing Mr. Mom? I said, no, I'm the dad. And it got all quiet on the other side of the phone. Look, look, when I, when I claimed ownership of my role as a father and not expected my wife 
to do her part and my part so that I could have that extra time to take a break from my day because she needs a break from her day too. Um, that, that meeting of the minds could truly take place. There's a consciousness that, that needs to take place. And again, having podcasts, having books, going to seminars, going to relationship workshops, doing the things to you that you are actually trying to grow as a parent, as a, as a husband, as a, um, that's, that's good stuff. And I don't know where along the lines we were taught that we said as men had to make it up, go it alone, don't apologize. Um, and if it doesn't work, F off and don't call your kids. Where did that come from? What, what, what do you think about that? Why, why, did, why did our fathers leave, Ryan? That's only a question my mother could answer. <laughs> uh, my mom, absolutely amazing woman. Um, uh, you know, long story and I won't get into it, but she raised 10 children. I'm the baby of those 10. Um, I like to say that she got through nine of them and got to screw all them up and I got the best of the best. <laughs> so, um, but I think, man, I, I, I don't, you know, I'm going to get myself in trouble if I really answer this honestly, but I, I just, this is my thought and I'm not being sexist and not being, uh, I, I'm not trying to paint a picture, but I think somewhere along the lines, women wanted equal rights. Right. And, and I'm not, I, I love that women have the workplace. I love that women have things, but I think there's a, a time and a place and that's inside the home where men need to be men and need to be able to say, this is where, you know, you, you have all those rights out there, but here I lead the household and it's designed that way. And, and you can look, and I don't know if we're religious, what background you're from, but you could go to the Bible, you could go to anything and it's designed for men to lead the household. And there's something in society years ago, probably when my mom was starting to, cause she was probably the leader of this whole movement is I don't need a man. And that started getting ingrained in men's heads and, and divorce rates started going high and women wanted this independence. They could get a job. And I love that my wife works and I love that we're a team. And I love that we don't have that in our household, but I'll tell you in the household, I still get the final say. And I'm not saying that to be cocky. I'm saying that because there needs to be leadership in the house. And when the leadership starts leaning towards mom and you have little boys being raised by mom and then mom saying you know what i don't need you anymore because i lead this household i bring in the income yeah you bring in a little money you know what just just pay me some of that because that's all you're good for anyway and somehow that breaks down and then men look and well mom takes care of everything because there's these helicopter parents right and i don't know that there's a lot of helicopter dads i don't know but the ones that just hover i think you and i were having a discussion or maybe someone else where uh their college I don't know if it was you and I, but their son or daughter off at college has a roommate and the mom every other week shows up and cleans the kid's dorm room. What is that? A father would never show up and clean the son's dorm room or a daughter's dorm room. I, I built a nest and I taught you in this nest and now you're outside of that nest. And it's my job as a parent to equip you once you leave the nest. And I don't know that parents, because there's these single parents, you, you touched on a little bit earlier, these single moms, right? They overcompensate because dad's not there. This overcompensation leads to these pansies of a man. You're not empowering a man by doing everything for him. You're not empowering a little boy by doing things and trying to make up for a lost father. You need to cater to these men's egos. You need to allow them to be a man inside the household. You need to allow them to take charge in front of their boys and in front of their little girls. This, the, the, the angle that you're, that you're coming from, the, the, uh, the strategies, the value systems that you're uh, presenting right now um, are conservative in nature, yes? Yes. Okay. Okay. 
And like that's that's why I preface this part of the conversation by saying I come from a pretty different environment. I had a, I had a very I, a, I grew up in a liberal household, um, and re, we raised our kids in Boulder, Colorado, which is an extremely liberal environment. And I saw and see um, that the the partnership piece can work, where the 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 mother and the father run the household together. They they are both the equal leaders and the values are agreed upon. And where it fails is when one tries to take the, the reins through, through force, uh, not through power. Power is, is connected to love. Force is not. It's connected to aggression. And the other backs off or um, it become, becomes an uh, obstructionist to another person taking part of taking ownership leadership of the household my 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 version of leadership of the household is is the co-parenting model and it, it's a what i know is that whether what what i do know and what i think you and i both agree on is that whether we're in a conservative environment or a liberal environment the divorce rate is skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. Moms are doing the majority of the work. And where are the dads? One of my, one of my dear, very dear friends, uh, Shane, who, who works here with me and travels, uh, we travel together and, and teach all over the place. He's been fighting three years to get custody of his son um, from, a, from a woman who doesn't need a man. Using that, doesn't need a man. I don't need a man. And uh, while that may be true, I don't think uh, the conversation has ever happened with their child is, do you need your father? And I don't know how parents ask children, do you need your dad? Do you need your father for this one? My wife and I are pretty good about that type of stuff where we can say when the kids come up with something, her stepdaughter, my daughter, or my stepson, her son, when they come up with things, we're like, oh, that one needs to go over there. You know, he's got that one. Or, you know what, honey, I think you and Chris ought to talk about this one. Because it was very clear to us that um, we had certain roles with our kids. Mm-hmm. And when we, when we presented that, uh, it allowed the kids to choose, I'm going to take the, the masculine version of this. I'm going to take the feminine version of this. And they got to explore those energies within themselves. Um, so, so I've got, I've got nothing against your value system. If it's working for you, your wife and your kids without conflict or uh, a deconstruction process of being a decent human being, um, then, then, then you go for that. Do you feel like the model you present is moving with the times or are you, do you consider yourself a traditionalist? So, so l- let me backtrack that because maybe I didn't convey it the way I wanted to. So I listened to your last podcast and you talked about consequences and consequences need to be uh, talked about before we're in the middle of a challenge. Right. And, and same thing here. And, and you said it, and this does happen in our household. So, what we, how we want to parent and what we want to do is agreed upon behind closed doors, not in front of the children, right? Uh, and I, I think, just so you know, that my wife is from a, a Latin descent. And, and, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, when I say that... We talked about pushback earlier. That's there, a- there, 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 well, there's not pushback, but there's also something in her culture where she will not in front of the children ever go against anything that I say. Those discussions happen behind closed doors. There's not a lot of pushback. So when I say that I have the final say, that is not because I necessarily want it. It's what works in our household. It's because we've already set boundaries and what we want to accomplish. And usually when I say something and whether she agrees with it or not, those conversations are had behind closed doors. And I am very open to saying, oh, I am sorry. Maybe we agreed upon this and I misstepped there. Uh, this is not, this is very much a co-parenting scenario. But to go back to the original point, you asked me, you know, where did we go wrong? And I think at some level, um, women took on too much power and then they resented us for allowing it to happen. So let's, let's, let's talk about that for a second, because I think this goes back on. Did they take it or did we let it go? 
as men. Well, I can speak for myself, right? And I, I, I don't think we can speak for anybody I, else. I can't speak it. for the whole thing, but as a society, um, uh, you know, that could be debated. I would lean towards that we gave it to them. Like we allowed mm -hmm. them to have it. I, I 100% agree. And I think, I think the real tragedy, regardless of where we end up with our, with our parenting partners and the agreements we make and the value systems that we place on our children, as long as it comes from love, as long as it comes from moving towards an environment where we all have liberty and justice for all, for all, for Absolutely. all, um, that we can agree that somewhere along the way, it feels like men didn't want to take this one on. And I wonder sometimes if men want to fix this, if we actually want to be equal partners. I had a dad, he's a stepdad, and his son is acting out sideways. And I mean, really desperate stuff like jails, institutions, and death stuff. And his son is 13 years old. And I've worked with this dad before. This dad is a previous client. And I, and I have a conversation with him. He said, just said, I don't know if I can do this again. And I mean, this stepdad has put in financially, emotionally, physically, mentally, and spiritually to save this boy's life. But he is not this boy's father. He's the stepdad. And I don't know if I can do this again. And I said, well, get ready because you're going to have to. Because if you don't, you're just going to reinforce what the father's already done. That this kid is only worth so much of a man's time. And you could feel the sigh. You could feel the, the sadness. You could feel the, the frustration, the resentment, everything that was coming up in this man. And he said, okay. And it was going to kill him. It could bankrupt him. Emotionally, he is already in debt. But he's going to step in this ring of fire again because it's the right thing to do. And that's, that's at the end of the day, I think we really have to ask men because I can look at you and I know you and I could sit down and we will because we are reconnected again and I utterly love having you back in my life, Ryan, is that you and I are gonna sit down and we're gonna talk about the differences in, in our faith because in my faith, Ryan, the woman runs the house. And that's, and that's, that's a big difference in, in, in the faiths. But that doesn't change the fact that you and I are still going to meet in the middle where we say men need to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. That whether you're, you're a, a conservative Republican and I'm a liberal Democrat or ever, however people want to label how you and I present ourselves, in the end, you and I are going to be able to meet in the middle. Men need to do the right thing. That I, my absence of a father led me to um, a really destructive experience of not being a good father to my own daughter. Mm -hmm. And uh, you having your experience of that pushing you into a place to say, this will not happen to my kids. Not now, not ever. And you and I can still agree in the middle, men need to do the right thing. And that we, you and I are both trying to do the right thing. And neither of us know Jack about parenting. <laughs> so, so with that being said, Ryan, I want to make this podcast the first of many because I want, I want us to be able to reach every man on the extremes and the man in the middle. Um, so I want you and I to continue uh, uh, doing some, some hosting and some co-hosting together. Um, and I would love that. It is, okay. I mean, this has been fantastic here and, and it's only the beginning of the conversation as, as you speak. I have 15,000 thoughts come to mind and I imagine the same things happening on your end. I do. So I got here with me, folks, Ryan Roy, uh, fathers being involved as a program that he leads at his son's school, but he is also the author of the best-selling book, be the dad you wish you had. It's on Amazon. Uh, Ryan, the link will go out with this podcast announcement and, uh, tell us about your podcast, brother. So a little bit about the podcast. I just launched it uh, in uh, January of 2019, uh, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. Uh, it, you know, it's just my journey and my stories of my experiences. That's all I could talk about is my truths of, of this 
journey, this struggle at times we call parenting, and it's a raw, real, uh, and it's, it's just sharing with you the perspective of a dad who's going through it day in and day out. It's a daily podcast, five days a week, Monday through Friday. Uh, you'll get some tips, some tricks, uh, but more importantly, you're going to get somebody who's really going through it with the grind. Uh, you're going to have some happy times, some sad times, but at the end of the day, uh, I don't know Jack about parenting. I imagine you don't either. And <laughs> I hope that we can learn something from each other, uh, through that podcast as I get comments and, and, and responses through it. Folks, I want you to connect with Ryan Roy, connect with him on Facebook. How else can they get in touch with you, Ryan? Well, well before we get into how you can connect with me, I, I want to offer your listeners today a free PDF version of my book. Oh, fantastic. And, and they can access that at be the dad you wish you had.com forward slash Aaron. Aaron is spelled with two A's, A-A-R-O-N, and that way I know it's coming from your audience. How else can you connect with me? I have an Instagram. Instagram is at Be The Dad You Wish You Had. Very simple. Twitter, a little bit shorter, Be The Dad You Wish. Uh, and on Facebook, I have a private group, and you can access that by looking up Be The Dad You Wish You Had. And if you plan on coming in, I will invite you in. Uh, you could also reach out to me. My company is Justifier Just Do It Coaching, uh, and that's justifierjustdoit.com. Ryan, man, uh, thank you for coming back into my life. This is uh, uh, this is important to me that that we are reconnected, and I'm uh, I'm I'm excited. I'm happy. I'm happy that we're back satelliting each other's experience. Uh, it, it means a lot to me. I, I enjoyed you when we first worked together. And uh, I, I still, I'll publicly apologize that when you and I were talking, I was like, I know this guy from somewhere. And then I saw that picture of us working together and like, oh man. And then I want to apologize for saying, I didn't recognize you because you went gray. Just a little. Yeah, it's just a little. I I'm a parent now. I see that. And now that I see it, now that I see how much gray there actually isn't, you look great. Thanks All for right. having me, Aaron. Awesome podcast. And I can't wait for the next one. Awesome. Awesome, Ryan. Hang on the line a second while I do my housekeeping here. Folks, uh, I want to say again, the Parent Weekend, the program that we offer the families whose kids are in our treatment center, I have decided to take the Parent Weekend public. It is two straight days of going through everything you need to know about uh, uh, kids' development, strategies, uh, tricks, uh, tools, but most importantly, really getting clear of what's going on with you and your parenting partners and why, um, why things have gone so haywire, not just for your kids, but for your whole family. Because uh, healing takes place in the community of a family. Trauma takes place in isolation. So be on the lookout for the advertisements for the Parents Weekends. If you would like more information personally, you'll email me. I'll give you my email address in just a minute. Um, there is an open house for Fire Mountain, Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center. It is our 10-year anniversary. I want everybody to know what we look like and how we do. If you are in Colorado on February 8th from 10.30 to 1.30, we're going to feed you. We're going to talk about the I generation. I'm going to show you around my beautiful, beautiful facility and let you know and get you to understand why we have the highest results in the country. I have been speaking at schools uh, and if you would like me to speak at your school, to the parents of your school, to the kids at your kid's school, uh, contact your counselors or contact me directly. Um, if you're interested in sponsoring our show, uh, I want to hear from you. I want your email of questions and show ideas to contact me about any of those, the Parent Weekend, the Open House, speaking at schools, sponsoring, or questions and show ideas, I want you to email me at Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at firemountainprograms.com. Aaron at firemountainprograms.com. You can always reach me on Facebook. Parents, you need to know that without Mental Health News Radio and Kristen Walker, the show would not be possible. My amazing editor, Daniel, uh, thank you both, Kristen and Daniel, for your constant love and support of Beyond Risk and Back. Parents, you need to take care of yourselves first. You need to take care of your adult relationship second, and then you take care of your kids, because in that way, we do 
our best work with our kids. Listen, like, subscribe, and please share us with friends and family. Ryan, one more time, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. It's been an absolute pleasure. And we will be back in touch. Parents, we'll see you next week on Beyond Risk and Back. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Join us each week for your connection to experts in adolescent health and wellness, recovery, and responsibility, and also to listen to teens talk about their lives in crisis. For more information on our program for struggling teens or me, please go to firemountainprograms.com, join us on Facebook at Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center, or at Beyond Risk and Back. Visit our YouTube channel at Fire Mountain RTC for even more support with our parent training videos. Special thanks to Mental Health News Radio for their continued love and support of our program. Please go to mentalhealthnewsradio.com to see all of their podcasts. Feel free to email me at Aaron at firemountainprograms.com. <laughs>